Shalom, and welcome again to another edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. You can reach us at Rabbi Address at JewishSacredAging.com, and the website, JewishSacredAging.com, and the Facebook page, Jewish Sacred Aging on Facebook, all kinds of ways. Uh, as you know, these podcasts are designed to discuss issues that related to, that relate to our own aging and the impact of longevity on ourselves, our communities and our families. One of the uh, ongoing issues that keeps coming up over and over again in Jewish press and popular press and uh, no doubt many family conversations uh, is the idea of end of life and uh, burial and mourning and all kinds of rituals and changes uh, that are being experienced within uh, those um, issues. So to pick up on some of that, we are very, very happy to welcome to today's show uh, Shari Haber, who is the founder of MyGreatGoodbye.com. That's MyGreatGoodbye, one word, dot com. Uh, Shari, hi, welcome. Welcome to uh, the Secrets of Meaning podcast and TV show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And thanks for having me, especially at this time of year when people are getting closer to that time of making New Year's resolutions. I'm hoping that people will be making resolutions to do the advanced planning to be prepared and plan for their death, which is right. inevitable. Uh, that's what they tell me. That's what they tell me. Um, all, <laughs> all the evidence seems to point to that, uh, but you never know. Anyway, uh, first of all, let me let tell me what my great goodbye is, and tell me why you started it because the story is, is is really interesting. My great goodbye is a uh, resource to educate people about their options and how they could die better and be remembered best. Because death is inevitable, even though there's a lot going on to extend our lifespans, you're still going to die. We're all going to die, and while there's end of life planning for when you're still alive, the life part, it mainly goes into medical. It seems a lot of people stop there and don't continue and plan for how, what they want done with their body, what kind of ceremony, how they want to be remembered. So that's um, the piece that I focus on so that people know their options so they can make an informed plan. Uh, how I got into it is that I had a career in public relations, and um, when I left my last agency, where I had been leading the team that uh, introduced a lot of new technologies and the internet, Priceline, Amazon, that sort of thing, um, when I left after the dot-com boom, I stayed in touch with the owner of that agency, and about 10 years later, we decided to collaborate on trying to write a television script. And in, it was going to be an ensemble cast and about baby boomer life. And in doing that, we realized we needed a theme. And I thought about the audience and the subject, and I said, baby boomers are trailblazing how they age. And I wonder if they're rethinking how we die. So I started to research it and was blown away. <laughs> by how much death is being reimagined. And it continues to today. We saw so many articles just this week about human composting and other methods for body disposition because 
a lot of things that are part of traditional burials and funeral practices aren't working anymore for people. Why aren't they working? Um, I think a few reasons. One is the cost. Uh, it's really expensive as, you know, diff- they vary the different methods, but just traditional burials. If you have a visitation, obviously in our religion, that's not part of it, but, um, burials and cemeteries and all that cost a lot of money. Um, I think that the mobile society where people are moving around the country. So does it make sense? To have, uh, you know, someone buried on the East Coast if your kids live on the West Coast. So there's a lot of rethinking about that. I think people are taking stock of how much natural resources gets buried in a traditional bury. Again, traditional Jewish burial may not be as much of a, a problem, but if you have caskets with metal and and vaults and all that and you're just burying it underground it's like a toxic landfill when you know things start leaching out into the soil and such so the uh, environmental impact is uh, something people are no longer comfortable with and um i also think that uh, it's become so clinical and and delegated to corporations and the human element of death. It's a human event has been forgotten and, you know, families are no longer part of it. And I think that people want to reclaim that aspect of death as well. So, so there's a few factors. To mygreatgoodbye.com, um, um, you said it's a resource. So you somebody goes to the website, mygreatgoodbye.com, and there's a menu uh, with all kinds of issues, you know, how to do this and how is, but you don't provide somebody, nobody's going to come to your house, right? This is all web-based. So if no. I need, oh, so walk me through this. Cause okay. I think people may say, well, well, what do they do? What, how do I, you know, I, I can go to my rabbi I can go to my lawyer. I, I, what is, what is, how does this work? Basically. Okay. okay. Um, there are web-based businesses where you go and you can make your plan and such. But as I said, a good plan is one where you're knowledgeable about all your options. And there's a lot, and there's a lot of decisions to make. And I don't think that society is at the point where from maybe seeing this podcast, reading an article and such, and getting an idea that there's a lot of things going on. Death is being reimagined. Oh, I'm going to go to this website and fill all this out. I think there's a lot to know. So the resource is really me. I'm on top of all the ways in which death is being reimagined, and I've curated down the key options for what's done with your body, what kind of ceremony, memorial you might want, and how you could be remembered, your legacy, and how you could influence that, coupled with the prep part to make sure that your legal affairs, your medical affairs, your digital estate, a lot of people forget about their digital footprint, make sure all those things are in order so that you don't leave a hot mess for your loved ones. 
there is something called death etiquette and you don't want to leave a mess for your loved ones to clean up. So I provide either one-on-one sessions or for couples. I used to meet with people in person. So therefore it was primarily in Northern New Jersey, but through the magic of Zoom, I have clients anywhere, really. So if I'm sitting, let's just say in uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, and mm-hmm. I, I, I hear about this, and I say, well, it's time I really have to start investigating this. I go to the website, mygreatgoodbye.com. I click on, let's say, uh, die well is one of the, one of the things on the menu bar up top that right. clicks down. Um, and it'll show me certain things. Uh, uh, and then there's a thing called concierge service. If I right. click on that. Then I make, then, then does that say I make an appointment with Sherry who's going to set up a Zoom call and I'll be able to talk about my own personal needs, desires, et cetera, et cetera. That's what it's all about. The, the website is really an electronic brochure and a means to contact me. If I receive a request for an appointment, I send an intake form that'll start to give me an idea of where that person is in the process. They may already have purchased a a cemetery plot or what have you. Um, Will religion be important to them? Do they have children? Were they in the military? That sort of thing. So that I could start to focus what I share with them about their options. For instance, if they're an Orthodox Jew, I'm probably not going to talk to them about cremation unless they ask me about it, that sort of thing. But as far as what I'm just providing the information, I don't steer people toward anything. I say I'm agnostic. I'm just here to tell you what's available. And then you, after the session, should know enough to do your plan or to do further research. I provide links for, you know, doing deeper uh, research. Now, let me ask you a tough question. Uh, Is this for free? It takes a lot of time (laughs) on my part, but no, it's not. The sessions, as I said, I I provide a session. There'll be, let's say, um, two hours. And then I write a recap report to say, you like this. Here's some resources to finding more of these um, uh, biodegradable casket makers in your area or such. I'll provide resources with the uh, recap report that I provide. And I then I give them a book, a hardcover book to write down their wishes because it's very important to document what your wishes are, share them with your family. Don't put it in your will because your will's not dealt with right after your death. And if you want to donate any organs or have a specific, um, you know, thing done with your body, you, your family needs to know that immediately. So it could all be in this book. And, um, I provide that. And the, uh, if you're asking the cost, then no, the cost. There is a fee. I just want to make there sure. There is people- a fee. Yes. Right. Right. And, and, and so. Okay, so people understand that this service that you're providing, there is a cost to the service because of the resources and your time and your expertise. Yes, and and because, you know, in two hours, you'll have a pretty good overview of oh, no. what's possible. I mean, there's a lot of books, and I buy the books. Every time a book comes out, I'll buy it. But, 
you know what, when it's a thick book, people don't like to think about death and talk about it. I don't think they want to read a big book. So I curate the options. So in your experience, and we talked a little bit about this before we, we started the, the, the recording, there's this explosion. And I think that's a, an act term in the last several years about, um, other than cremation, alternative ways of, uh, dealing with your body after the physical death. Right. Um, and these options seem to be growing. And my sense just in dealing with this in our work at Jewish Sacred Aging, there seems to be a, a growing interest on the part of baby boomers to explore some of these options. So what are you, what are you finding other than cremation? which is growing and we know that but in your consultations with the clients uh have you f- begun to find an increase in the number of people asking you to say well i've heard about this thing called green burial or i've heard about this thing called which is lo- legal now in i think a dozen or 10 states in the country uh human composting uh, we were talking about a, an article in the times uh that that appeared in december on this are you finding some of this There's definitely growing interest in those methods. As I said, people don't like how a lot of traditional burial is impacting the earth. Um, And people did initially think that cremation, fire cremation, was an answer until they calculated the amount of energy for the retorts and the emissions, and especially if you have mercury fillings, blah, blah, blah. Now there's something new called aquamation, water cremation. and it's much more gentle. There's no emissions and there's no, you know, 1600 degree ovens to heat up. Uh, it happens at 200 and 300 degrees. So it's um, better environmentally. And I think over time will probably challenge, if not um, bump off fire cremation. Can you exp- explain to me what, uh, explain to our audience what water what what was the term you used? Water aquamation. It's, it's got a lot of names: resumation, aquamation, bio water cremation, and um, the body is put. No casket is needed for it either. The body is put in a like it's a stainless steel kind of machine where the water is heated, as I said, to either 200 degrees or 300 degrees, and that affects how long it takes. Um, and it's 95% water and 5% alkaline, which is like substance you see in personal care products. It's very gentle, and it swishes a little bit, and six to eight hours, the soft tissue and a lot of things just dissolve, and you're left with a skeleton. And then the skeleton, the bones are pulverized, and that's where you get the ash. And it's pristine white versus fire cremation. They're a little gray. This is very white. Um, you don't have to remove pacemakers before putting a body in these chambers where you do in fire because the batteries will explode. Uh, if you have any metal implants, they'll be in great shape so they could be recycled afterward or repurposed. So. Um, that's growing in popularity, but it's only legal in 20 states. 
And as I said, legal and available are not the same thing. Legal is the first step, but then you need providers who offer that service. How many normal, just the, your average funeral home at the end of the block or that are offering this service? Do you have any idea? Well, it's not legal in New Jersey. New, New York is considering it. So, and uh, it's not legal in Pennsylvania or Connecticut. So, in, um, or it's not available in Connecticut. So, it's not available in the tri state area. As but, what I said, around the, but what about around the country in Canada? Because it, people on this that are from all over, do you have any sense? I mean, you may not have any. That's okay. Well, because- Canada, I have absolutely no idea, but um, I've heard of names. I've never counted all okay. the providers, but they're, not that plentiful yet. Yeah. So in other words, if somebody came to you in the consulting and they said, this is something that I've heard I would like to do, probably the reaction was you have to check with your state, your way to see if it's legal in your state. And if it is, who will then provide it because it may not be in your particular area. Correct. And some I've heard that some of the providers will pick up bodies in neighboring states, but then you have to and 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 Some other things you could fly the bodies, but then you're offsetting the benefits yeah, yeah, environmentally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's a toss I, up. I, yeah, that that it's sort of like defeats the purpose. Ta- walk right. us through this other very growing phenomenon now of human composting. What what is that? Okay, well, both um, aquamation and human composting come under the banner of alternative. Um, methods. Um, and they're not, you know, final methods. They're an interim step. So you still have to decide what you want to do with the ultimate byproduct, cremains or soil in the case of the human composting, natural organic reduction, terramation. It goes by both names. And in that case, the bodies are put in vessels that are you know, like, like in a mausoleum, how bodies are in. Okay. So these are vessels. They're temperature controlled. They, um, balance the ratio of carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and water. The body again is not on a casket. It's often in a biodegradable shroud or something atop organic materials like, um, alfalfa and wood chips, gentle. It's in these chambers. And um, it enables, through temperature and moisture control, that the microbiomes that are present in bodies, as well as that organic matter that the body is laid atop, um, will accelerate decomposition. So again, you get to the point where there's a byproduct and there's a skeleton. And in this case, the byproduct is. Um, soil and families could elect to it's a cubic foot of soil though families could elect to take some or all of it or it could donate it a lot of the providers and it started in the state of washington on the west coast and oregon colorado california and it's on the desk of um new york governor hochel to approve a bill to make it legal in New York. I think it will um, be sometime this month if she signs it. Anyway, but uh, a lot of the providers on the West Coast, at least, have a relationship with a conservation land 
trust where they'll donate the soil to be used to replenish the soil and uh, the forestry there. Well, other than costs, which, which, which continue to grow, why do, why do you think um, we're seeing this interest, the growing interest in alternative means? Is it economic? Is it, is it environmental? Is it spiritual? Is it religious? What's your take? I, I don't think religion and spiritual, well, religion is the driver. I think the religions are trying to decide if they're going to accommodate it. So I, again, I think it's, there's a decreasing amount of available land for traditional burial. Arlington National Cemetery is going to max out, even though they're expanding a little bit, it's going to, they're going to max out in a few years. Urban areas don't have a lot of room to bury bodies. And so that's one factor. And then, as I said, a lot of, you know, embalming fluids have a lot of toxins. People don't like the idea of that leaching in the ground or cutting down trees to make a box that's going to sit in the ground. And the fact that, um, you know, death is big business and it's really a human event. And we've gotten very far away from that. So I think people are looking at ways to um, be gentle to the environment to the pocketbook, have more connection for the family and closure, and to personalize it, not make it so cookie cutter. And you're working with clients uh, when they get in touch with you on at migrategoodbye.com. Um, what, what do you? What, what's the number one thing that they're most concerned about, other than filling out a form, or is it other than the the technical stuff, if I can use that term, there's something else. What, what's the of all the people you've dealt with? What else, other than the technical thing, do they start talking to you about? Because I'm sure other issues emerge. Right. Um, I think one of the things that they think about is because they'll say, "I." I don't know that I should make decisions. I think, wouldn't it be easier for my children if I just say, do whatever you want? Yeah. You know, I bought, even if I bought a plot, just do whatever you want. But you know what? When people are bereave in bereavement, and especially if you're going to look to bury within hours or a few days, that's the worst time to make a lot of decisions, many of which have big financial implications. And if you have multiple kids, they may not be on the same page. So there's conflict. Families have had major All fights time. over this. All so Yeah. And, and, you know, people will, your kids are going to want to honor you. But I say, you don't want them to have to guess while grieving. They don't want to figure it out. I, I had situation when I first started doing this, um, where I had gone to two shivas and there was both the uh, patriarch of the respective families. And in one case, he had, he didn't prepay anything, but he had written out detailed instructions about what he wanted. So when he died, the family knew exactly what he wanted and it didn't eliminate the sadness of the loss. But it made the whole process so much less stressful. 
Oh, it's a, you know, it's a gift of love to be able to do this. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, every one of us, you know, and I just had this experience with a family and they had done pre-need and, and when the call came, um, and no matter how much you prepare for it, when the call comes and it's, it's still a shock and it's still horrible and, and all kinds of conflicting emotions. But all they had to do is make a call to the funeral home. And all that other Michigas that you're describing was right. taken care of. And they could, they actually, when I sat with the family for an hour and a half or so, they really just focused not on what are we going to do about this and what are we going to do about that, but they just focused on memory and love. Right. And it really, really, really makes a huge. And I, I don't know a colleague, regardless of what the religion they are, what denomination they are, who doesn't try to tell their membership, do this pre-need, get these decisions down, make the decisions as much as you can way before the call comes, because that's not a time to make it, as you say. And you're right. You're absolutely 100% correct. Um, in your conversation with clients, how important are the rituals that surround all these conversations? You know, um, mourning is a community event. And I think healing is aided by in engaging in ritual with your community, with your family and such. So there is um, a certain amount of ritual that I think that people gravitate to because it gives them comfort. Um, you know, with uh, Jewish ritual, in the preparation of the body before burial, there's tahara, the ritual bathing. Um, some people elect to have a shomer, which I did when my mother died in a sudden accident. Um, talk about guessing while grieving. The funeral home was on the phone with me and saying, do you want this? Do you want this? And I didn't even know what a shomer was. And, you know, when they explained it, that someone would be sitting with her all night. I liked the idea that she wouldn't be by herself. So I said, yes, but I didn't know if how much it cost. It, it was not a problem, but those sort of rituals gave me comfort. So um, there's a, a few different things that people could elect to be part of their um, either, you know, as I said, pre-burial preparation or the actual funeral service and the like. But I think that Rituals that we're all familiar with and, you know, people have done for years give people a great source of comfort. So, Again, we're talking with Shari Haber, the founder of MyGreatGoodbye.com, a web-based resource um, platform. And uh, to reach Shari, you just go to the, the computer and Google up, if that's the right word, uh, MyGreatGoodbye.com and she'll take it Make from there. Yeah. Um, before we run out of time, got to ask you this question because we we are in New Jersey and there's about 10 other uh, legislative districts, states, plus the entire country of Canada uh, that have legalized medical aid in dying. Do you ever get questions about this in your consultation with clients? Um, I haven't. People are aware of it. Um, it's kind of complicated to yes. take advantage of, but I do think and that people find it very comforting 
to know that they would have agency over how much suffering or not they could tolerate. And, and I've heard, in fact, that people, more people may get, go as far as getting the prescription because, you know, it's self-administered. It's not a doctor right. giving you a lethal yeah. injection or right. anything. It's right. like a cocktail. But, um, some people will go as far as getting the prescription and never fulfill it, but it gives them great comfort to know if it gets too much to bear that they could do something about it. Yes, that that is statistically been validated. There's a lot of people who know that it's in the drawer over there just in case I need it. Right. But the but the value of life is so this is a whole it's a holiday sermon which we don't have time for. And right. that's okay. You can wait till September. Um Sherry, as we end, one last piece. If you had just one thing to tell everybody about all the material that you work with, about all the consultation, what's the one one important piece of advice that you want to tell people? That it's never too early until it's too late to advance plan so you're prepared and you could die better. So advanced planning is key to this whole thing and accepting the reality of your mortality, facing the inevitability so that you could be open to all the possibilities. Shari Haber, the founder and uh, organizer and chief consultant and uh, of MyGreatGoodbye.com. That's one word, MyGreatGoodbye.com. Shari, thank you very much for sharing your, um, your you. work, your ideas, uh, and your passion about this. Thank you very much. We really, really appreciate it. And Thank continued you. success. And most of all, just stay healthy. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you and to all of you, thank you again for joining us on today's edition of Seekers of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. Uh, we appreciate your support. If you'd like to continue your support and you make a tax-free donation, to help support this work in these podcasts, go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com, click on the donate button. Again, if you want to reach us, just email me, rabbi address at jewishsacredaging.com. Seekers of Meaning is produced at the Broadcast Center of Lubetkin Media in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And a big shout out to our uh, chief producer, um, major tech person and guru, Steve Lubetkin. To all of you, again, thank you very much for sharing your time uh, with us on today's edition of the Seekers of Meaning podcast. I look forward to greeting you again at our next session. And to all of you in the meantime, shalom, stay safe, stay healthy, stay well, and be kind to one another. Toda shalom.